for many of us as marketers or any service-based business, we typically have the service mentality and we like to put people first, which is, which is wonderful. But it's also why service-based businesses fail a lot too. It's because we serve first versus promote first. Mm -hmm. And if we could spend our time promoting, we would actually do much better. You are listening to Next Up Nation, where leaders and influencers dish their secrets to inform, inspire, and entertain serious podcasters with host Tiffany Youngren. Get ready to hear at least one way to attract more loyal listeners and profit from your podcast. Remember, though, none of what we say can help you if you don't take action. So let's make it easy. If you're new to the show, go to nextstepnation.com slash listener for show notes and a free podcast budget worksheet. For our loyal listeners who want to stop dabbling and start dominating, visit nextstepnation.com slash get started to learn more about how we can help you hit your targets in the next 100 days. Now here's the show. Hey there, I'm Tiffany Youngren, and welcome to Next Up Nation, a show that features podcasters and pros like you who share their successes and challenges to inspire, inform, and entertain you as you expand your influence. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I am so excited to welcome Dominic Cummins, founder of Apex Agency Growth. After pursuing a successful career that started at the age of 19 and culminated in leading a software company to a successful $500 million exit, Dominic founded Right Mind along with his wife, Ivana, the goal of which being to help small to medium-sized businesses establish the processes, people, and approaches to ignite their growth and scalability. After years of working around marketing professionals, Dominic founded Apex Agency Growth to help agencies find and fulfill their purpose while creating profits to support their lifestyle and goals. And I have to say, before we even start, Dominic, I'm so grateful that you did because I'm part of that group and it is just a huge uh, blessing to me. And I know the whole group is just such a blast. So welcome. Well, thank you. And thank you for that last little bit. I appreciate that. It's a pleasure to have you. And it's quite a, a, a motley little family we've got going on over at Apex <laughs> these days. So it's a pleasure to have you there. And uh Glad you're getting the benefit out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. And I hope I hope it's okay. I feel like, you know, that's my tribe. So anything I say is meant with a heart full of love. But I feel like it's such a good group um, to kind of geek out. Like it's, you know, nobody's too cool. Or I mean, we have totally cool people in that group. But you don't feel like, like it's just a really free space to geek out about things. So I really appreciate that. We love your podcasting geekiness. It's, it's awesomeness. And, <laughs> oh my your, <laughs> and your spreadsheets and your processes for everything. It's amazing. We love it. We're good, all, good. We're, we're learning to be better because of you. So thank you. Well, I'm pretty sure that you, you had me at spreadsheets. So the day that I first saw you present a digital marketer, it was like, oh my gosh, he likes spreadsheets. I'm definitely going to have to look into this. But then I when I learned... I mean, as soon as we bring up kitchens, then I know I'm in the right group because we all also geek out about cooking and kitchens. Yep. I am a fan of both of those things. I like me a spreadsheet. I mean, if I can ever actually, you would appreciate this. You don't even know this part. And this is probably not on topic for the podcast, but uh, I actually created a spreadsheet. I have spreadsheets for virtually every part of our purchasing decisions for our kitchen because we're in the middle of a remodel, as you've heard. And so I have a whole spreadsheet that I did a compare and contrast against all the uh, range models we were looking at. Oh. And so I actually provided that spreadsheet to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law because they got, of course, we started ours. So they were like, well, we have to remodel our kitchen now. And so they actually used my spreadsheet to help make their decision on 
what one they went for. So I see you didn't oh my even know gosh. that story. So I mixed no. kitchens and spreadsheets into one. Oh, situation. well, and you know, regardless, so I'm, I'm going to have to pick up on that because as we were talking today, I was immediately like, what range did you select? Yes. <laughs> because the struggle's real, but anyway, okay, well, you're right. Let's, let's get moving on to podcast or I'm going to talk about cooking and kitchens all day. Um, Cause I could totally do that. But one thing that you, that you mentioned uh, before the show is something that not a lot of people know is that you were a professional musician and you, and expected to be on the next. Okay. I didn't ask you how to pronounce it on Winton. Okay. Could you Winton say it Marsalis? Okay. Yeah, Winton Marsalis. Yep. So tell me, first of all, I, this is so terrible. I'm so embarrassed, but who's Winton Marsalis? <laughs> that's a, that's a fair, unless you're into the big, into the jazz scene, you actually a classical as well. If, if my knowledge is correct on this, he was the first, I'm not sure if he's the only, but he was, I believe the first person to win a Grammy in both jazz and classical, which mm -hmm. is usually those two types of music. Typically folks are usually classical musicians or jazz musicians. He's a trumpet player. Um, he currently is a little better known now for running the Kennedy center jazz. So like when they do the Kennedy center honors and all that in Washington, DC had to think about that for a second. He runs that program now. So he's gotten to be fairly famous. His, his whole musical family, his brother was the sax player, I believe for was it Letterman or somebody. So he was on one of the, the late night shows. So his whole family is just these musical geniuses, but he's a trumpet player. Um, I've actually been to uh, an embarrassing amount of his concerts uh, to, to watch him, but not everybody knows who he is if you're not big into the jazz scene, but incredible musician. Okay. Okay. So, well, that's awesome. So you almost were that guy, but instead you do things like consult these amazing people. Uh, you've even traveled all over the world and had a training class at the North Pole. Even I know I heard this story again, this was the day that I knew that I was going to have to figure out what you did and if this was a good fit for where I was headed, but you, you know, you had me at spreadsheets, but then when you talked about training this group on the North pole, I just thought that was remarkable. Yeah, that was a pretty neat experience. I've, I've had a, a privilege just to be able to tra travel the world. I, um, a company that software company that you mentioned at the outset in my bio, uh, had no idea what they were doing and neither did I quite frankly with, uh, they said, Oh, well, the London office is now your, responsibility and then okay actually take over the australia office too and a little while later can you take over the brazil office what that allowed me to do is get a real feel for like international business and what goes on and how to break into multiple businesses so fast forward down the line in my consulting business when i started that out i had a lot of good connections internationally and one of those is a cruise line that operates out of norway and the u.s um, and one of their new ports of call was going to be the northernmost landmass uh, closest to the North Pole. So it wasn't technically it was 600 miles from the North Pole, but it's the farthest northern landmass that you can go to. Um, and I was working with them and their sales teams and their marketing team. And they so I ended up training a class up there, which was a pretty cool experience. Actually, the entire trip was amazing. If anybody listening ever has the opportunity to go to a place called Svalbard, I would highly recommend it. It was just you would think it was just all ice and snow, but it was anything but, well, there was a lot of ice and snow, to be honest with you, but, but it was just, it was just an absolutely one of the more spectacular things I've ever seen. So kind of a cool experience. That's awesome. Well, I love getting to hear all these experiences and uh, stories and things. One of which was that you, okay. And I'm just going to fess up to everybody. This is a rarity where I have someone on the show 
that doesn't have a podcast, especially right now, because we're doing a series on real podcast, real stories from real podcasters. And so I thought this actually, I thought you would be perfect in this series um, because I know you had a podcast in the past. And uh, can you just tell us first, what was that podcast and what, you know, who did you speak to and what did you want to get out of it? So believe it or not, I've had two. Uh, so I had okay. one that was the most recent one was called the a uh, Apex Agency Growth Show, I believe, uh, that I did with Doug Foley, who was uh, my co-founder in Apex. And we started that up. I think we only managed to get about three or four episodes out. Prior to that, I had a show for a few years that was called um, A Shot of Wisdom. And mm -hmm. so it was around this idea of I would have guests on and we would have a little libations to go with it. Now, it didn't always have to be alcoholic. It was just whatever they chose. And so we had a couple of guests who did not want something, but often it was a glass of wine or a whiskey or something and i would ask part of the show was asking them one their story but then hey why does why is this so important to you why is this a something that you like so i've had those two different uh podcasts over the last few years nice so when you started when you started each of them i mean they could not be more different kind of it sounds like i mean you probably talked about business both times but what were you trying to get out of each one so the original one, the, the shot of wisdom at the time was really just a continuation. I had done a weekly um, uh, video that was just a one minute video that was uh, what I would call my weekly mashup. And what it was where that stemmed from is originally we were doing blogging. I had a writer on my team. We were writing blogs and I didn't even want to write, read our blogs. It had nothing to do with my writer. She's amazing. It's just that I didn't even want to read a blog. Like it felt like something I really into. And so I saw somebody like Seth Godin, for instance, doing mm -hmm. these short form blogs that were like, you know, 300 words, 400 words or something. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause I, I can consume that information. But then everybody kept talking about video, video, video. And I was like, well, if I've got to write something for 300 words, why wouldn't I just say it? And so that's how the original uh, weekly mashup was born was just a minute long video on just whatever topics. And you mentioned my musical background and I haven't for a variety of reasons uh, not able to pursue that music career as much as I had obviously hoped. But this allowed me to get this like creative outlet to be able to just get these these ideas this weekly put something together, be creative, come up with a little thing, get on camera and, and talk about it. That started to have such success and such traction with that weekly video. Then it was, I believe it was Ivana, my wife, who was like, well, why don't you just do a show? And so that's where it was bred from. And I was like, well, then great. Let me just talk to my audience. But my goal with that wasn't just to talk about business tips and tricks. It was to really get to talk to people that were, especially people who were sort of known and, and, um, or in the community, for instance, in the marketing world or in different places, were somewhat known. There were the ones who were up on stage, they were talking, but like, where did they come from? And a lot of them I knew had these cool stories of just like origin stories, I guess, of things where it wasn't as great as it looks nowadays. And they had had difficulties. Um, I had one gentleman by the name of Bo Harrelson, who I think you know as well, come on the show and he just, his daughter, he was so kind to talk about his daughter being born with, with some pretty serious health issues and how he was overcoming that. That was actually in the moment when we were talking about it. So to have those types of like, the, the, the goal was to have people watch the show and go, wow, that guy's just like me. That lady's just like me. Hmm. I could, I, wow, I can conquer whatever my challenge is. So that was the goal of the first show. Um, 
and it was great, but it was really born out of this, these one minute videos of like, what should I do with this now? <laughs> and more like inspirational too, it sounds like rather than yeah. the typical, yeah, like, practical. Yeah, exactly. But like, no, I didn't want the like aspirational stuff where it's like really cool. Like nothing. I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Well, I, I like a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> stuff. That to me, it's like, oh, well, wow, he's running a half billion dollar business. Well, it's so far down the road for me. I wanted to talk to the people who were, uh, actually it was somebody who you also know, Ed from our group who had said, it's the mile markers along the way. And I was like, oh, that's a great, let me interview people who are just a couple of mile markers ahead of my audience. Mm. Like, because I felt like those people could get, tell a story that would make you go, Oh, I can do this versus, yeah. oh, it's cool that that guy runs a $50 million business or that lady's <laughs> running a hundred million dollar business. But like, what does that even mean? So yeah. this was meant to be inspirational, but like inspirational that you could walk away from it with a, with a tip in hand that you could, you could apply right then. Right. Right. That's awesome. So when you and Doug started your podcast, what, what were you guys trying to do there? <laughs> so that was kind of the same idea just to start to talk to successful agency owners and who, you know, who'd done some things just to get some, to, but the real concept of it was to be a marketing tactic to some degree, right? Just to get the name out there. Cause we were starting a new brand. Nobody had heard of us. Um, you know, I've spoken on some stages and got some in a very small little group of people. Some people know who I am, but like, other than that, like nobody knows who I am. So it was just this idea of like, we can create some marketing around it. Now that to me, we we ultimately I, I kind of put a stop to that. I think Doug would probably still be going with it if we if if he had his choice. But I stopped it because which led me to the part where you probably have already teased this up to the <laughs> audience that I'm not a big fan of podcasts. Um, but it wasn't necessarily that I hate podcasts. It's just I felt like we had some better options for developing a market at a quicker pace than it was going to take us for a podcast. But that was that was the second podcast that we ran. It only got a few episodes out. That's awesome. So, and then how? And you may have said this. How many podcasts did you? Or how many episodes did you publish for the first one? Oh, well, I published like five and <laughs> shot like ten or something like that. Okay. Or eight. Yeah. So we had a few, and then the weekly uh, mashup video, which I, again, I kind of consider it to be an extension of it to some degree, even though it wasn't a video, it wasn't an interview. I have, I think 75 or 80 of those episodes out there published or close to. Oh, wow. Well, good, good. Yeah. And I have to say, okay, so as I, I love interviewing, you know, this is like one of my favorite things in the whole world other than kitchens, but it's my second favorite thing. Um, and, and, and I always, kids. Well, they are definitely first like they, yeah. Um, but one of the things that I'm really challenging myself, uh, is to ask the obvious question. And I feel like I just let it whiz right by and I didn't ask it. So I'm just going to back up just for a second, uh, and ask it, why did you, why are you no longer a musician or to the extent that you were hoping to become? So, yeah, that was uh, just a family change. Unfortunately, my I was uh, in school. I had a scholarship. Um, and right after that time period was to start, my father passed away. Oh, and gosh. so it was just at that point, it wasn't a situation where my dad had left a lot of like, uh, he didn't do a lot of forward planning, shall we say. Mm. Um, so it was left to me to kind of help take care of my mom and not that her health was bad, but just financially help her. And so it just changed the direction of my life uh, at the time. I was still playing a little bit, 
Um, but I was actually, it was very, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity it was given to me by somebody who worked in a bank. I mean, I was doing any job I could find because musicians don't typically make a lot of money. So I was doing any job I could. I went into construction, hurt myself. And so mm -hmm. one of my friends actually said, I work in a bank. Are you pretty good with numbers? Which I always have been. And obviously I didn't know about my love of spreadsheets quite then. <laughs> uh, but, um, and I said, yeah. And so she said, well, let me interview you. And so I got into banking and just the career started to really take off rapidly and so the music, and then I got married and kids and it's the music sort of just fell by the wayside. So do you still play? I do not as much as I'd like, obviously not as many instruments as I used to. Uh, my primary instrument was always trumpet. I've been playing, I've played piano since I, I actually don't remember not playing piano. Um, I think I started playing when I was like four or so. Uh, so I still, I have a piano uh, at my house, so I still play that. I don't play my trumpet as much because that's a definitely a perishable skill. Uh, it hurts mm. the lips a little bit when you haven't played <laughs> it for a while. I'll still pick up a guitar here and there and, and play that. But like I used to play French horn, a bunch of other instruments, and I don't play those as at all anymore. So mm. it's, it's been a while for those. Well, I love it. And I think it's really important to, you know, honestly, like, let's be real. There are like a million podcasts about podcasting and there are, you know, so many, not a million, but a lot. And so many people have these business, uh, you know, they get out, they talk about business, but I feel like until you really kind of get to know who someone is, I always like to see, is the business you the same as the rest of the you, you know? And so I, one thing that I really enjoy about what you just shared and sharing it, like you're just the same, you know, how, and I say too, how you do one thing is how you do everything, but it's like who you are is who you are. So I, I, I always feel like too, setting that stage early on as we're starting to share more ideas and things like that, I think builds a really solid foundation of trust, honestly. <laughs> so, Absolutely. so that's Absolutely. awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's so cool. So for the record, you don't hate podcasting, but let's, the other thing that I, that really struck me with what you were saying was I thought, okay, you don't, I know you don't hate podcasting and we've talked about this enough you know, that I, I believe you, I get it, but there was a time when I was, when we were first working together that every time the topic came up, you're like, Oh, I just, you know, I, I hate it, but other people like it. And I don't know if maybe you didn't use the word hate, but it was some other word that was a very strong negative, like, Oh my gosh, it's such a, you know, this and that. And, and Doug, you just, you just give her, you know, I'll, I'll say what I think. And, and Doug, you talk about it because you love podcasting. What was it about podcasting that whatever, you know, insert word there, if it's not hate, whatever that feeling that you had, what, sure. what was it that rushed to your head whenever you thought about podcasting back then? So it, it all comes down to resources. We have a finite amount of resources at any given moment, especially as entrepreneurs, business owners. And where I saw, so it's resource, the two words come to mind is resources, which is explained. And the other one is crutch. So when you think in terms or when I think in terms of what I've seen with people with podcasting, for instance, is that they wrap up a lot of time into the podcasting uh, as it needs to be. It's no, it's no small task to produce and distribute and do all those types of things, which obviously is something that you and your team do an amazing job of training people how to make that much faster. I'd like to think I'd probably still have a podcast if I'd known you two years ago, but the reality is, is it does take a lot of time. And what I saw with a continuously, especially related to marketers, and, and this is probably true with other uh, groups, but I see it a lot with marketers, 
is that we tend, and I'm one too, I'm a marketer as well. We tend to find anything we can to just keep us from making a sales call. <laughs> so we'll look at something and say, there, if there's two options on the table, for instance, and one of them happens to be make a phone call and reach out to somebody and try to close some business, or uh, just about anything else is the other option. <laughs> Marketers tend to take the other thing. I'd send an email rather than that. I'll send a chat versus the pick up the phone. I'll send a text versus pick up the phone. And podcasts to me became that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's do a podcast so we can reach an audience. Okay, but you don't have any money. So how about you call 10 people and try to generate some business and then do the podcast. So where I came from is just this feeling that a lot of people use that as replacement for their marketing efforts. Mm. As instead of like any good marketing, it's one of the components of a great marketing and sales strategy. Mm -hmm. So it really isn't that I hate podcasts. I hate that people use it as a crutch, really, instead of doing some of the hard work, because quite frankly, podcasting is fun. Like it really, Mm -hmm. it there's, it's few things as enjoyable as interviewing people, hearing their stories you just talked about to get to know them a little bit better. Uh, For me and my show is to have a drink while I was chatting with these people. It was fun, right? Like I had a really good time with that. But then after it comes, the real work was just the distribution and the, the production and all the stuff that goes with it. And pretty soon it's three hours, it's five hours, it's 10, it's 20. You probably know more than I do about how many hours it takes to produce those. But in my case, like I said, I have episodes shot that have never gotten distributed. When when I started to look back at it going like, you know, in that period of time, I could have made 10 phone calls and closed four of them. Mm. That's where I get into just making sure that it's a part of it. So for instance, starting Apex, part of the thing we did was to run a podcast. I didn't see that being a benefit to our business right out of the gate, as opposed to other things. Because again, resources, finite a period of time, where do I spend my time? Well, I chose to spend it making some phone calls, reaching out to people, speaking on a couple of stages, pre-COVID, running some workshops and getting people tangibly in front of me to be able to speak to it. Now that we're progressed, we're, we've just celebrated our one-year anniversary. That's now, thank you. Uh, and it's made possible by great people like you. Um, <laughs> the, the, now it's a time to start looking at mo- moving that back into the, the fold. I've probably missed out on opportunities because of not having a consistent podcast. I realized that, hmm. but I was, it's resources and then not using it as a crutch. So those are, those were the things I thought about for podcasting. Well, that makes sense. So one thing that you've mentioned also is this whole idea of considering another podcast. And so that gets me curious. What do you see now as being a potential benefit that maybe, you know, that, that is presented itself in the meantime? Well, now that the the now it is a really good contributing factor in my opinion it could be a contributing factor to continue to build the audience for wherever we want to scale this business right and so i think that from a podcasting perspective it is a great way if distributed properly and you and i've had this conversation many times right <laughs> if distributed properly it's a great way to build an audience one of the things that i find fascinating was something you were sharing at our last event around the like Tons of people are looking like pod people who listen to podcasts, love listening to podcasts, and they're always looking for new podcasts to listen to, but they can't find anybody, right? right. Then there's the other side was us, us as podcasters, or I shouldn't lump myself into that crowd just yet, but let's say <laughs> I'm somebody who's running a podcast. Well, I want audience. 
Mm-hmm. Well, those two things should marry perfectly, but they don't because mm-hmm. the podcasters typically are not distributing it in a good enough way to see that. So I think if you can marry those two, two things together, it's a cr- tremendous opportunity to reach an audience for people to get to know you because we know that people do research ahead of time. They do it through, you know, Facebook and social media, other social media avenues. They're Googling everything, but a big way that they're looking for stuff now is through a podcast as well. And so, as you mentioned, trust being a big component of anybody buying anything from anybody Mm -hmm. is the fact that they get to know you and your personality, unless you're completely faking it, is likely to come out in a half hour interview or 45 minute interview. And even as the host, your personality is going to come out and they get mm-hmm. to know you. And so I do see tremendous benefits to doing that. And now that we are at that growth phase, I feel like it's an appropriate place to blend it in um, to our overall marketing strategy. Now, an important quick thing, and I apologize for rambling a little bit on this topic. <laughs> That's great. The important quick thing is, is for some people, it may be a really great lead off strategy, right? So for me, I didn't feel like it was because I had a fairly large audience already. I had a network I could turn to. I could reach out to people individually. And I that's where I say that I felt like my resources were better spent going and working that network to get our initial members. Mm-hmm. If you weren't to have that, I could certainly see a podcast. If you're starting scratch, you've got really no audience, then yeah, podcast might be a way to quickly build that audience. Um, but again, don't be afraid to pick up the phone when you get to people <laughs> that are talking to you. But uh, that is, that's where I could see. So I'm, I'm not suggesting that for every business, a podcast might not be the, a, a really good lead out strategy to grow mm-hmm. your business. Just in our case, I didn't see it. And, and, for some of the businesses I coach, I also don't see it as being necessarily the the best lead off, depending right. on circumstances. Well, and I think that brings up a good point. I mean, it's really like like any solid growing healthy business owner, you're looking at your business strategy holistically. So uh, any marketing strategy should not replace your sales, <laughs> you know, otherwise right. you won't have anything to market soon enough. Um And then two, even just looking at the podcast, how it fits in with the rest of the marketing that you're doing and, um, and growing. And I know, you know, you talk about that a lot about how to spend, uh, you know, how to spend your time as a business owner and how much time should be spent selling versus how much, can you share that just a little bit? That's totally, I didn't even think about bringing this up, but I think it's a good time just to bring that up because a lot of business owners struggle with prioritizing, Um, in fact, just yesterday, I think I I made a video about like, just do the thing. Like if you know what you're supposed to do, if you feel like crap, the best thing to do is to do the next thing. So how can you just talk a little bit about that and, um, you know, how business owners, Sure. you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I do. I do. So one of the principles that we teach, and I certainly can't take credit from this. This is one of my mentors, a gentleman by the name, Ollie Bilson showed it to me the first time. I'm not sure where he got it from. He may have created it. Uh, So I will give him credit for that. But it was the four P's of time management. And so basically what you're talking about is kind of, if you break it down to a grid, uh, you know, that's of course the joke of any coach, you have to have a grid of some sort. Um, But you have, you know, uh, promotion, you have production. Uh, Now, of course you put me on the spot. So I don't remember the fourth P, there's a third P is, is, um, it's basically the things that you're committed to do that starts Mm -hmm. with a P, I can't think of it. And then pedestrian things. 
Well, I, I could probably look it up. I would imagine grab <laughs> it real okay. quick. It'll come to me. We'll, um, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in yes, the Yes, there we go. Notes. Put it in the show notes. Yeah. I like that. So um, something I didn't have because I didn't have time to put together. So you really need your system. <laughs> I um, know. I just, in fact, I thought, is it really four Ps? Because I have four Ps. Is it the same thing? So until you started yes. talking, I'm like, yes, it is four Ps. So. <laughs> yes. so if you look at those two things that go across the top, you have promotion and production. Now production, the way I look at that is production is getting ready to do the things that are promoting. But your upper left is your most important. It's promoting your business. It's creating that interest in your business. That's the phone calls that you're making, the follow-ups that you're doing. And, and there's just infinite amounts of research done on this. Well, infinite is probably a strong word, like your million podcasts earlier. But um, but it's a lot <laughs> of research. Companies like HubSpot and over and over and over show about how little sales reps follow up. Well, that's that promotion. And I say sales reps, you've heard me say this, but for the benefit of your audience, if we own a business and we're trying to promote services, whether you feel like you are or not, you're a salesperson. So you, mm -hmm. you do have to get lumped into that category. You might not like it, but it is true. And so promotion has to be the number one focus. And then number two focus becomes the stuff to get ready for that. Now, in the case of a podcast, that might be, if you're building that audience, it could be. For me, it was my weekly mashup. To me, that was... The second thing that I did. Now, the third item, the uh, aforementioned P that we can't remember <laughs> the top of our head right now, but will be in the show notes, um, is the stuff that you're committed to do, which is like your work with your clients. Now, for many of us as marketers or any service-based business, we typically have the service mentality and we like to put people first, which is, which is wonderful. But it's also why service-based businesses fail a lot too. It's because we serve first versus promote first. And if we could spend our time promoting, we would actually do much better. And then pedestrian is all the other stuff that we just tend to do, which should be at the very end of it. And honestly, stuff we should probably hire VAs for and whatever, get off our plate altogether. But where we did at our, our what, I think our Q3 event probably is we went through it and started breaking it down. And I'm happy to help somebody walk through this. I could walk through it with them if they want to, you know, jump on a call or something, I'll walk you through it. But if you back in the statistics of closing percentages, uh, how many contact points it takes before you actually get somebody to move into a sales cycle with you, how many contact points it takes inside of a sales cycle to close a sale. If you max all that out, we actually figured out it was roughly for most business owners, 50% of your time in promotion and production. Hmm. And, uh, and so that's where back to my, I hate podcasts, which I don't hate podcasts. It's, it's also careful on how much time you spend in production because it's very easy to allow your time to get eaten up in production and not do any promotion. Mm -hmm. The production should naturally always lead to promotion. And so that's where we spend a lot of time. Again, there's only so many hours in the day and I'm not, I've ceased finding it funny that we as entrepreneurs are like, okay with like, ah, I work 60 hours a week. I work 80 hours a week. It's not good. It's not good for, mm -hmm. I had a health issue a few years ago, which woke me up to that. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. So we really have a finite period of time, spend it accordingly. So, and mm -hmm. when people follow that path, as you've seen, others in the group have seen, when you follow that path and really pro uh, prioritize your promotion, it's amazing how the other stuff really starts to take care of itself, or you have the finances to hire somebody to take care of some of the other stuff. Yeah. So it really works out beneficial, but it, at first, especially as service-minded humans, it's tough. It's tough to go like, oh, I really need to respond to that email. No, not until you make your phone calls. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to kind of really reiterate that when you say production, and honestly, 
I, I didn't even think about coming down this road with this, but I've talked to so many podcasters that it stresses me out how much time they spend in production. And by production, we're talking about client work. So we get clients, we're not really delegating a lot. We're doing it all hands-on so that we're, it's taking away that time that we could be promoting and building our business so that we're able to be creative as well as sell more so that we can keep the doors open and things like that. So I think that, um, you know, it's not sexy, but it's, I think it's probably one of the most important things that I see getting in the way of podcasters, but influencers, people trying to build authority. It's, it really lately has been the top thing I've seen them struggle with. It is. It's, it's, you know, and, and production really isn't your client work. It's really the stuff that leads to promotion and that's where people get caught up in. And, and, mm -hmm. and I get it. Like, again, I, I totally get it. Like it's, it makes sense to feel that way, but at the same time, it's not, it's not conducive to what's best for your business. Ultimately it's, it's and and even though it feels like it, like there's a certain, uh, let me see. It's promotion, production, provision, provision. provision okay. And pedestrian. I wanted to pull that up for you real quick. Good, good. Shut off all the apps, <laughs> but I was like, it's, it's relevant to the thing. <laughs> when you think about provisioning, you're provisioning some resources to your client's benefit. Mm. You're provisioning the things that you need to do. You're doing all that stuff, but production is literally meant to fed the feed, the promotion, sorry, feed the promotion stuff. That is what it does. It's setting up your promotion. It, 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 it's also things like, for marketers creating a landing page it's creating mm -hmm. a video that goes with that landing page those, those are all production items because it directly leads to leads mm -hmm. and money ultimately and the but clients there is promotion and production associated with working your clients and getting more business out of them but they really they're a priority they're just not the priority which is yeah, a weird exactly thing to say. Well, ultimately that they are the priority, but you don't have to be the one who does all right. of it. <laughs> That's really yes. the thing because they're better off if you're using your best abilities for them and delegating the rest so that you have more of your best abilities to bring to them. So, well, and you bring up a fantastic point. If you don't mind me swinging on that, like you, yeah. so think about this from the standpoint, you're obviously you're in the group that, that, that I run and would the members prefer me to spend a bunch of time working on a podcast? Like, again, no offense to podcast. Would they prefer me to work on a podcast or would they prefer me to create new content that they can go apply to their business? Right? Well, Most, ideally, both would happen at the same time. And I, exactly. And it's kind of like, you know... It, are you the one editing the audio? Are you that's the problem. writing the and, transcription? Like, that stresses me yeah. out. Like, that's one of those things I'm like, could you just, you know, share, like you were saying, share the content? Because if all you had to do was show up, do the interview, look up some information about who you're going to talk to, so you show some care for them and that, and then leave the rest for the team. It's like, you know, it's beautiful. But if you're the one breaking it down, no, I would not rather that you do all that. Other and stuff. that's exactly, and that's exactly the point. And that, that's, you're exactly right. Because that's where, that's where and I shut off our podcast for that reason because mm -hmm. we had new members coming in. This was right when we were starting. We had new members coming in. We had content we were trying to produce. They were looking for more content. They were asking great questions that we wanted to create content for. We can't do all of that and do the production work on our podcast. Like I said, I wish I'd met you a year ago, but two years ago. Mm -hmm. But 
that said, that was that's the issue. So then it becomes that's that fine balance of how much time do you have? Yeah. If I can just show up and do that, then I can actually create content through those interviews. And now it becomes an amazing situation for the members or I'm interviewing members or I'm mm -hmm. interviewing, right? Like, and all of this feeds in very, very well, as long as I could take that grunt work. Can I say that? The grunt work from it and hand <laughs> it off. To. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's, that's key. So, okay. So we're just, we just have a few minutes left, but um, one thing that we didn't talk about that I think you have brilliant insight about is, um, and we're not going to have time to go into it, but it is, um, oh my gosh, the word just totally left my brain, um, imposter syndrome. And so while I know you don't have time to share all of your thoughts, amazing thoughts on it that are, I think really helpful. Again, this is a topic that keeps coming up with people that I'm talking with. I, I think a lot of people who are listening can relate to this imposter syndrome. Number one, can you, if, if, can you just briefly say like what that is? And then number two, if you could just, if there was one thing that someone could do to really embrace the fact, like to not have that feeling or what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone who's struggling with it? So imposter syndrome at a basic level is just essentially sitting there worrying that people are going to figure you out. Mm -hmm. right? That you're not as good as you say you are, that you're, you're teaching something and then they're going to be like, yeah, but you're, you know, whatever, like some other thing, right. That'll somehow take away from your genius. The reality of it is so statistically 70, over 70% of people, the research says suffer from imposter syndrome. So you're not alone. So if you have mm -hmm. it, might as well just know you're, you're in great company, present company included. Um, I'm saying me, I'm not saying you, Tiffany. I'm just saying that I have it definitely. <laughs> so I, I fight with it a lot. The reality is to me, it comes from the fact that you actually have something to give because if you weren't very good at anything, like you wouldn't even be, you wouldn't probably be positioning yourself as the expert, right? So mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't have that feeling. And if you didn't care, you'd never worry about it. So mm -hmm. for me, it's that beautiful mixture of, of, that you really actually know something and you really care is what creates this environment for imposter syndrome. Hmm. So my advice is it's a little bit like we talked about this morning on the call, the Churchill kind of expression is like, just power through it, like hmm. fake it till you make it, you know, whatever the expression you want to use is just go through it. Cause you're not alone and understand that if you weren't feeling it, chances are you're missing a key component of your ability or your, your care. And when you mix those two things together, again, recipe for imposter syndrome, but we talk about this a lot. Sometimes your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. Mm -hmm. And so just being aware of it is, is just knowing that and you just power through it. And eventually, uh, you know, when people compliment you, which they will just, just listen and say, thank you and take it and let it kind of just let it flow over you and realize that, that it's not, uh, so bad. So, but imposter syndrome, you're not alone. And what, you know, and you were like on the front lines when this happened to me, but I'll also say, you know, it's one thing to have people compliment you and say, and be thinking like, oh, if you only knew, like, that's, what, I feel like that's myself. That's the sentence that comes into my head is like, oh, well, that's because you don't know the rest of the story, you know, mm -hmm. and which is a big indicator for this whole thing. But as you start to get seen, people will jump on you and be like, oh, look at you faking it, you know, and you're like, oh, the last thing I'm doing is faking it right now. <laughs> you know, I'm literally hanging it out there. So I guess I just wanted to share that just to say, like, 
just be encouraged. Number one, what you said, which is if you have that concern, it's actually good news. It means you're a good human and you have something to share. But also if someone comes at you from the other side, the thing that helped me get through it is just, I just kept thinking I, that this person had told me like, I'm pretending like I'm successful and that I'm not really. And I thought, Oh, I look successful. Like for them to think that I'm pretending it, like I thought, so I really had to, I mean, after I cried for like four hours, then I was like, you know what, how is this? I, that's, this is one thing that's gotten me through so many things. It's like, I asked myself, how is this the best news ever? You know? And I was like, well, if it looks like I'm pretending like I'm successful, there must be something, <laughs> you know? So, um, so I love that. I, and I just, I, I love how you explain it. So, um, I do have one other question, but before I do, Dominic, how can people find you? So if they wanted to ask you more about imposter syndrome or about the four P's or anything else when it has to do, especially with, you know, agency and growth and not like killing yourself over it, but really building a lifestyle around it. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, probably the two best ways, depending on which platform you like, is if you're on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, though you've been needling me lately to get on there a little bit more than I have <laughs> been, but uh, which is which is fair. Uh, so LinkedIn, um, I think it's forward slash Dom Cummins, I think is my uh, handle on there, but I'm sure we can put it in the show notes. Uh, you can get me there. Or we also have a free group on Facebook, uh, and it's just called Apex Agency Growth. And you'll look, there's a group in there. Um, it is closed, but you just merely need to ask to join and, and you're in. Um, and so those are probably the two best ways just to get, depending on what platform you you like to hang out on. Those are those are two good, good ways to get a hold of me. That's awesome. Okay, so here is probably one of the most important questions of the whole show. And you will appreciate it, I'm sure. But what what is, and I feel bad asking it because you live in California and we're right in the middle of COVID and we have another lockdown right now, but what is your favorite restaurant and what do you order when you go there? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. Well, my favorite restaurant, I think right now my favorite restaurant, I'm always a big fan of steakhouses. So I think you and I, or maybe your husband, Dwayne and I have had this discussion back and forth around like, if you go and like, well done your steak, we can't be friends. No, like, that's honestly, a younger thing. Like they're- Like young kids, in general, great. Yeah, they, if our kids didn't agree with that, I think they would be in huge trouble. <laughs> so. Yeah, so honestly, I gave you my contact information before. If you order your steak well done, just don't bother. I'm <laughs> yeah. serious, like seriously. We Lose are not my on, number. We are not on the same, we are not on the same page here but so i'm a big fan of steakhouses and i got a bunch of them that i love for that but i'll i'll give a little shout out to a local restaurant i have nothing to do with them other than i love them they're here in in my area and it's called compagnon and it's this guy who is a wine was a wine buyer for like some of the trump resorts from from way back and then he started his own restaurant amazing french food i order mm. basically anything off their menu but the one thing i have every single time is their french onion soup which sounds really generic but i'll tell you it's the best french onion soup i've had in the world including in france oh wow sitting by notre dame ordering that didn't matter the best French onion soup I've ever had. It's just so unbelievable. So my wife and I used to share one. Now we order one individually. But like when we want to spe se uh, celebrate a little something, that's usually where we go. And it's, it's great because it's only Compagnon. Yeah. And that's in San Pedro, California. San Pedro. Okay, yep. awesome. Well, very yep. good. Now I'm starving to death. But I know now um, I am too. That's awesome. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Well, Dominic, I, I just really appreciate you coming. I think you gave everybody some amazing takeaways from podcasting to business growth, to balance, to, um, you know, uh, pivoting throughout your life, even before it was cool. So, um, I just, thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on here. And I'm glad that you, uh, the braved out having the guy who hates podcasts <laughs> on the podcast show, but I th- yeah. hopefully everybody gets where I'm coming from. I don't hate podcasts. <laughs> You've made me certainly made me not hate them. So oh, let's, let's yay. That so, yay. We've well turned done. you back over to the other exactly. side. Once a podcaster, always a podcaster. It's just a matter of how you feel about it that day. I mean, I interviewed real estate agents for a long time and by the time I was done with that, I was a little bit like, do I really have to talk to somebody else about this? Like, I already heard it. You know, I know they're cool. And and I love real estate agents. So they're, they're my people. But yeah, I, you know, I've had my own reasons that we've done it, but um, I can certain relate, certainly relate to it. And I appreciate you being a good sport about coming on as the guy who hates podcasting um, because- yeah. Fun. Yeah. That's so great. It's always fun to be a little contrarian once in a while. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it, this is right out of your playbook, Dominic. Like, I feel it, like it I'm is. listening to you by having this episode. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our outstanding team. And remember the best is yet to come. Happy podcasting. If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening and happy podcasting.